0: Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is called The Great Shepherd Knows Where His Sheep Can Be Found, from Acts 16, 6-10, from Senior Pastor Alton Hardy. Amen. Thank you, Praise Team. Please stand with me as we move along in our sermon series from the book of Acts, which is called the Acts of the Apostles. Those who were with Jesus in his earthly ministry, who saw him die, um, suffer, and raised from the grave on the third day. And so we're in verse, chapter 16, it should be on your board the screens to the left, to the right. And for your those who want to go with the Pew Bible, you probably should take it out because I'm quoting some scriptures from there. If not, it'd be page 1099 in our Pew Bible. So here we go, starting with verse 6 and verse, to verse 10. And it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia in Galilee, and having been forbidding by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bethania, or Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Amen. Be seated. <clears throat> Father come Holy Spirit touch me. Grant me powers to preach your truth your word. Bring to my mind thoughts words phrases adjectives, verbs, nouns, pronouns, stories, illustrations by the power of the Spirit so that your people would hear and be encouraged on what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the most cherished and favorite Bible portion of the Scriptures is the 23rd Psalm. It starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. When the scriptures speak about the image of shepherds, they convey to us the symbol of guidance. Shepherds guide the sheep, the protection of the sheep, and also the provision for the sheep. We know that in ancient times that shepherds were responsible for leading their flocks, their sheep to green pastures and still waters, ensuring their safety from the many predators that was all around them. Jesus himself says that he is the true good shepherd. In John chapter 10, the gospel of John, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. No one took his life, but he voluntarily, sacrificially laid down his life for the sheep. Have had Elder Dion read in our call to repentance, John 10, verse 15 to 16. In verse 16, he said, Jesus says, talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and those that were there that day, he says, I have other sheep, too, that are not of this sheepfold. Of course, they didn't like that. He said, I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, Jesus says, and one shepherd. Jesus is referring to the whole world, Jews and Gentiles. He has sheep that they didn't know about. And Jesus says, they're going to listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, and he being the one great shepherd. Well, earlier in John chapter 10, um, Jesus makes this startling statement that will keep the best philological mind up all night, trying to comprehend the omniscience, which means all knowing without limited, without knowledge, mind of the great shepherd. That's why I started off my call to worship. We want us to Jesus knows everything. There's nothing that he doesn't know. Every detail, every finite detail. In Fact he knows all the hairs that are upon your head right now. Even if you bald head. Let that sink in. He knows every detail. And so you can join in with the great theologians of church history like Augustus, bonhoeffer John Calvin, and try to figure out the mind of God and the mind of Christ as it relates to his all-knowing immutability, all-seeing. Man, try it out. I've tried it out. I said, Lord, sometimes I just... That's where you just do what breathing was doing this morning. You just, you just bow down. <laughs> you bow down and worship. I worship you. Man, I don't know what tomorrow beholds, and you already know it. You just bow. But Jesus makes this, man, this amazing statement here in this text in John chapter 10. Verse 14. If you want to go to your pew Bible, it's there. It's page 1065 to page 66, 1066. In verse 14, he he says, I am, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a bad shepherd. I'm not a lazy shepherd. I don't slumber nor sleep in. I'm up early. In fact, I I stay up. When you're sleeping, I'm watching. I'm the good shepherd. I see the predators from afar before they even get to you, they got to come check in with me anyhow so that I may give them to okay to even try you. We see that in Job. That's why whenever bad things happen, you say, okay, God, you must have just allowed this thing to come upon me, so since um uh, and we're singing that song, my voice may not sound like Reed, but I'm going to give my best shot in this shower <laughs> and just say, okay, God, um, Though he slay me, Job says, yet will I praise him. So here it is. Bad voice and all. I'm not Marvin Sapp. Lord, I worship you. (laughs) Pretend like you hear the music in the background. You got DJ over there. And you just start worshiping him because you know he's not there because he was able to get around the good shepherd. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own. Wow, what do you mean, Jesus, you know your own? And my own know me. And then Jesus expounds on this theme of knowing his sheep even much more, in much more detail, in verses 25 to 29. Let's read it. John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, talking to the Pharisees and the leaders. He said, I told you, and you do not believe. They're they're giving Jesus a hard time they don't believe. He says, the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness about me. He says, but you do not believe. (laughs) There's some deep theology right here. You do not believe, Jesus says. Come on, Jesus, because you are not among my sheep. (coughs) Huh? Huh? Lord, Lord, you got to talk to me what if I'm sitting there I'm a Pharisee I'm looking at this man Jesus got them sandals on he's probably looking real smooth he's like what what you just tell me I don't believe because I'm not your sheep I thought we were all your sheep nah not all my sheep you don't believe because you are not among my sheep then verse 27 he says my sheep hear my voice And I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, Zoe, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand, Jesus says. Whoo! My Father who has given them to me, Jesus says, is greater than all. And Jesus says, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Woo, that's, a, that's some heavy teachings from Jesus right there. And so you see why I titled this sermon or this portion of Acts 16 um, as the Great Shepherd knows where his sheep can be found. Jesus knows. We don't know, but he does. I believe Dr. Luke, um, he wrote this portion of scripture here in Acts chapter 16 today so that we can all rest And be confident that the all-seeing, all-sovereign, all-knowing, great shepherd is the one who directs all evangelism, all missions, and all salvation work in the world towards his lost sheep. Then and now, today, right now. It is all of him. He's directing all of it. Evangelism, all missions, and all salvation work. It's all because of him. There are no chances, no luck, just the great shepherd who knows his sheep all by name and where his sheep can be found. The scripture today says that Apostle Paul, Silas, and now young Timothy, that they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, And let's read it here in verse 16, chapter 5, verse 5. It said they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, and having been forbidding by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, in verse 7, And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bethania, or Bethania, should I say. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. I want to give you some context, Job. You can put the map up. I'm going to be using this map for a while. And this is Paul's second missionary journey. So for those of you, I wish I had my little light, but because of this screen, it, it won't work. So I'm going to just... Try to go over here and grab one of Chris's drumsticks, Chris. Make sure I put it back. So, but I want you to see, so to give you some context. So remember, last week, Paul was here. Lystra, Iconia, that's where he meets Timothy, who's a faithful young guy, well-spoken by the brothers and all the Christians in these parts of the world. Lystra and Iconia is only about 15 miles away from each other. And so, as you can see, so Paul, well, he's just naturally thinking, well, I'm just gonna keep going west. So he goes up to Phrygia, Ph- Phrygia, and there the Bible says he tried to go into Asia. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit says, no, come come back to that. And then he said, well, I can't go there. And so then the Bible says he goes up to Bithynia, or Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, don't go there neither. And so now we see, and by the way, just all the way from Jerusalem, just so you can get from here from Jerusalem to Antioch, it's 300 miles. And they walk in, they don't have air conditioning, and they don't have bottled water neither. So imagine, so <laughs> this is all walking. So Paul now with said, well, I can't go here, I can't go there. And so the Bible says he goes to, down by Mysia, and so this is where we end. And so he's going to make his way to Troas, which is where I'll pick up. So I want you to see that Paul was just logically, well, I'm done with um, Lystra and and Iconia. I'm just going to go into Asia, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. But the Spirit of God says no. And then try to go to um, Bithynia. The Spirit of God says no. And so we see that. Paul was forbidding in the providence of God not to go into these regions. All right. The Holy Spirit was speaking very strongly. Not time, Don't go there. Can't go there. And so here here is what I want to say. I think this portion of Scripture is trying to convey a very important message to us concerning all evangelism, which I said earlier, all missions, and the work of redemption and salvation in the world. This is very, very important what I'm about to say. Luke is putting this stuff here. Part of my preparation, okay, God, I'm reading this. What does this really mean for us here today at Urban Hope in 2023? Holy Spirit says, no. I'm trying to go in the midfield. No. Go to Bessemer. People, when I came here, I'm coming to Fairfield. But well, come, uh, come to Tennisville. Come to North Birmingham. No. Holy Spirit says, I want you in Fairfield. Start there. It's just not up for chance. So why is God... T- have this written down in the scriptures for us to today for us to take away. So, this is very important what I'm about to say. I believe the message is very clear, and please hear me. We are not, as elders, deacons, and everybody else, we are not the captains. We are not the captains. We are not the ones driving this ship of redemption in salvation in this world. Jesus is the captain. He's the Lord. He's the great shepherd. Our job is to stay ready and obedient as the great shepherd directs and guides us toward his sheep. But we are not the captain. You don't know who the sheep are. None of us do. But Jesus does. Therefore, this is why our prayer should always be, each and every day, you should pray this prayer. First thing you do in the morning, this should be your prayer. Your will be done and not mine, not ours. Your will, Jesus. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to pray for. I don't know anything. Your will be done. You put on my heart who I should pray for. Not my will, but your will be done. You know how you maintain a posture of having a heart that echoes your will be done and not ours? By praying at all times, constantly dieting on the word of God, eating and drinking and sleeping the word of God each and every day, seeking his heart on all things, nothing presumptuous. This is what I see a lot of preachers do with preaching the word. They don't even inquire of Jesus what to preach. They just assume they know. They start with the commentaries. Instead of starting with hours of prayer on your knees. Say, Lord, what should I say about the tax? What direction are you guiding me in the tax? Not what this guy says in 1900s. No, Jesus may want you to say something different in 2023. So you can go to his commentary, look it up, and use what he said. God said, I'm trying to get you to say this. Can't presume anything. Don't be presumptuous. It is the great shepherd who opens doors and he closes doors. And what we see here in the text today, he closed the doors for Asia and Bithynia at this time for his own purposes. He closed them for Asia Close him for his own purposes. Closed doors are very hard for us to receive as being from the hand of the Lord. It's hard for us, especially here in this modern era of Christianity. It's hard for us to, to receive these things as being from the Lord. If you're praying about something and the Lord don't answer it, he did answer it. He said No. <laughs> You're assuming that he's not getting through. He answered it. He says, no. So let me give you a few. We struggle with hearing Jesus say no to something we want so badly, especially from our human perspective. We just believe that this is the best choice. Can't nobody tell us anything otherwise. Not the elders, not your grandmama, not your mama, not your daddy, not even your own mind. This has to be the best job. I've been praying for it. It has to be. You're just convinced that that's the job for you that makes six figures. God may not be giving you a job for six figures. He can see what it's going to do to you. That you're going to blow up and you're going to blow your marriage up and your family up and you're going to be somewhere crying, I wish I never would have taken that job. So maybe God says, no. But we are convinced this is the best job. That this is the best house. That this is the best city or community to live in. That this is, whoa, this is a tough one here. This has to be my husband. Oh, man, he gotta be. He's 6'4, he talks well. That has to be my wife, man. She has no debt, she's perfect, she prays every day, she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, ain't no way, God, that can't be my wife. Come on, Jesus. Give it to me, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is going. No, pray for me, elders. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a tough one. But this gets even tougher, especially when it comes to death and life situation. This is why I say what I said in my call to worship when Brethren was singing. We really struggle with this one, but this is not the best time for someone to die. See, we're we're a young church, and see, I'm trying to get ahead of you on this stuff. No, it's it's not the time for my mom to go home. It's not the time for this person to get cancer. It's not the time for this thing to happen. We live in a broken world, and people die all the time. And so we go to Jesus. No, Lord, not my child, not my teenager. And here's what we have happens. All the sermons on he's a good shepherd, he knows best, goes right out the window. Because I'm struggling to understand. I don't know. Then you come to church, Bree singing a song. I love you, Jesus. No, I'm not loving you right now. Why? You took my mama home. My daddy died, and he was not even 65, Lord. He didn't even get time to get his retirement. Or mom, or my brother, or my cousin, or one of my children. Let that sink in. The great shepherd, who's a good shepherd? See, these scriptures are real. Jesus says, no. I know best. But the truth of the matter is, that challenges up against us sometimes. We say, Lord, I don't think you know better. I don't really think you know what you're doing right now. So how do you know when the door is being closed by the Spirit? The Bible says the Holy Spirit says no. When it allows how do you know when God says no to something? A couple of suggestions here that I have played out in my life, and it's true. When God is saying no to something, there will be a sense, a loss of peace about the situation. You just can't sleep, can't rest. You just don't have a peace about it. you just like, God said, that's, that's, you're trying to get that job, and you just can't you keep pushing it, you keep calling them. you keep trying to say, hey, you got my resume, and you just don't, it's just like, there's no assurance, there's no rest. You just not it's, not, it's like God says, that's not it, that's not the door. And I've had those experiences before. I've had certain jobs I wanted, and I begged and cried, went to Jesus, like, man, I usually get jobs like this. What's up with this one? No sense of peace with it. Second thing, this is one that God uses a lot when he's closing doors. Sometimes it's just difficult situations arises out of nowhere. You, you just, it's just uncanny illness. We don't know what happens here What Paul, how God, they let them know that the doors were closed. And One commentary said he could have just gotten sick. Just like every time he tried to go into Asia, man, I just got COVID. <laughs> didn't, I just, didn't I just take the shot? <laughs> and he tried to go again. Man, I got it again. <laughs> we don't know. One scholar said he could have got malaria. Every time he tried to go into Asia, he just kept getting sick. Man, that's what it was. We don't know. Sometimes it's just transportation situations come, ar- come about. Roadblocks that are hard to explain. Car just break down. You just got the car fixed. You got this interview. You know this is a job. It's got the right salary. Boom, boom, boom. And you just know this, man, this is it. And you go out there to start your car up. And it don't just not crank up. It blows up. It's on fire like you see on 59, burn up. <laughs> You're like, what in the world? I'm supposed to be at the interview at nine. I go out and start it up. It blows up. It don't just catch up. It blown up. Holy Spirit said, "You're not going to that job you do today." <laughs> He's just like Man, Pastor Alton. What in the world's going on? Car just blew up. <laughs> Uncanny. The spirit of God is saying, "No." closed doors does not mean that the mission of redemption is closed it just means that the great shepherd knows where to go and where to send his missionaries to find his lost sheep God is always at work even when doors are closed from our human perspective the great shepherd knows where to go and where to send his missionaries to find his lost sheep. So the text says in verse 8, so they went down to try to go to these places. And so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night and a man Of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. A vision given by God appeared to him at night. Greek word here for vision means an event which something appears vividly incredibly to the mind implying the influence of some divine or supernatural power or agency this is not no man made come up in one day in one hour vision this is a divine Intervention of the supernatural of the glory of God Himself. Paul had doors closed, and now the great shepherd shows up, gives a vivid vision to Paul. This vision that was given to Paul. The Apostle Paul was one of the great turning points of history. The gospel now is going west. It's going into Europe. And we ought to thank God for it for us here in America. It went west. Turning point in history. This is no small vision. For the first time, the gospel it's going into the western part of the world, which fits America, Europe. And so, if I come to a close on this, I prayed about this. Okay, Lord, what does this mean for us? You see a vision. We're a young church, and this will be something that you will stay with you all, hopefully, to the day of your death. So I praise the Holy Spirit, help me unpack this. What is Luke trying to convey to us? And this is going to be a blessing to you, because it was a blessing to me. That's why you got to pray over the word. Holy Spirit, can't be presumptuous. Can't be presumptuous. This has been written by God to instruct us. So there is an important takeaway as it relates to how the great shepherd goes about rescuing his lost sheep in this world which he already know, those that are his, but that not known to us, only known to him. He's the one that's directing us, not us directing ourselves. And so the first takeaway is in to this story. It is God himself who gives dreams and visions to his sons and daughters in order to accomplish his will, his purpose for all redemption In the earth. It is God. It was God that gave the vision to Paul. Paul did not go to a seminary or an academic university to get that vision. That vision came from God. It didn't come from his wife, he didn't have one. It came from God Almighty Himself. And I'll put here in my notes. It is God who gives visions to sons and his daughters in order to accomplish his will in the earth and his purpose for all redemption in the earth. And I say here in my notes, which means we have to discern between our own vision that we have and the true vision of God. And that takes time. Listen to me. Because we got our own vision. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to go. That's why I, no, I don't want to go to Fairfield. Who want to go to Fairfield? See, we got to understand. We have to work that stuff out of us. I don't want to go to that third world. I want to go to the first world. I don't want to go, no, Lord. I don't want to go where I don't have clean pre- drinking water. No, see, we got to work our vision out of ourselves. You got to discern that even now. So, Lord, not my will, not my vision, but your vision. Because those visions compete with each other. Oh, I don't want to talk to him. He don't look like he'll receive what I'm about to say. But you keep feeling the nudge of the spirit. Go talk to him. Go talk to her. No, I don't want to talk to him. He or she is not educated. I want to talk to them. God says, I don't want you talking to him or her. Talk to him. Oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) This is real. But God does give dreams and visions. But we have to discern. Over time, between our own vision and God's vision. Second takeaway from this text. The dreams and visions of God that are really from God will not be a fleeting thought to your heart and mind, but it will be a constant nudging concerning a spiritual or social condition That when you see it or hear of it, your heart will be pricked. Your spirit is moved by it. You can specifically hear the cry. Hear the pleas of help coming from the people in a particular demographic, a country, or a community. Your heart is pricked. All of our hearts are not pricked about the same thing. Why is that certain thing keeps coming up into you about a certain particular people group? Like, if you hear Sister Cameron using you, African American women being bamboozled by all the false theology in the world, she's been carrying that for a while. So, when she hears it, it pricks her. She's moved by it. And she said, I got to address that. Why are black women not getting good theology? Why are we getting the latest come junk lately type theology? It moves her. It keeps coming back to you. You could just drive in your car and you'll see it or you'll hear it and it just keeps nudging you. But here's what happens though. Here's what I'm facing. We're like, well, that may not have enough money to it. How's God going to provide for me? How's God gonna take care of me and my family? I don't know if I can really address that. You you just keep hearing God say, going to education, going to education, going to school, going to school. I'm gonna bless you. Going to school. We need teachers in the school. We need especially black men in the schools. Every superintendent I talk to, we need black men like yesterday in public schools. Keep feeling it. Every time you see, and you hear about the education fallout. It just messes with you. It's like God talking, God is speaking. Word of God says, Paul saw a man in a vision. Say, hey, help us over here in Europe. We want that. Remember, he was trying to go somewhere else. But God gives him a vision. And he sees a man in the vision and says, hey, come over here to us in Europe. My third takeaway about dreams and vision as the good shepherd. Dreams and visions of God comes with a cost. Please, young people, write this down. Joe, put the map back up. See, we'll read over this because we're not thinking about it. Dreams and visions are costly. Paul, Judea, Jerusalem, now he's all the way over here just being faithful. He's traveled thousands of miles walking being beat up, and now God gives him a vision to Europe. You would ask the question, why didn't God give the vision to him in Jerusalem? And God waited all this time to wait till he got to here by closing doors that he didn't want Paul to go into and brought him to Troas, and now he gets an epiphany of a vision from the Lord to come into Europe. Listen to me young people, vision of God to walk in it, it is costly, make my points with this. These visions will take time to develop and to be processed in order for the right people to be on the team. Remember Barnabas, John Mark, God took him off, had a big split up. But now, God works this stuff over time. It doesn't come like tomorrow. So he's working. And this is what's so important. Why God waited so long for Paul to have the right team around him for him to go into Europe? Here's what it says. Because it goes from now your vision to a we vision. <laughs> well, I don't know. Look at it. look at what it says in verse ten. It went from Paul's vision to now a we vision. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately this is the first time we see here in the text in the book of Acts. We who are the we. Luke has come and joined with them. Who's Greek, by the way? Silas, who's a Roman citizen, which will be a really accommodated and in going into these Roman worlds. And then thirdly, young Timothy, who's mixed, who's greek in, and he's hebrew in Greek. So God waited for the right team to put around Paul. Then he granted him the vision, and now they say, and we sought, not Paul, to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called not just Paul— Us. This Greek word concluding, it means to come together, to coalesce, bind or knit together, to see the way things agree, pointing a direction. This use of the word suggests that the vision was a confirmation of a growing conviction, not just in Paul now, but in the whole team. God waited for that team to be assembled, and now they're about to go into Europe. And God had used hard situations, Barnabas, John, Mark splitting with them, and now the great shepherd had assembled a team. And they were about to send them to Europe where many sheep will be enfolded into the sheepfold of the great shepherd. Let me end here with a story. I choked up a little more, you know, last night, processing this, seeing this play out in my own life. But do you not know that you are in a ministry that started with an an I, Alton Hardy, Sister Sandy but he has now become a we. The great shepherd has and is bringing the right people on the team for the accomplishing of reaching the sheep known to him before the foundation of the world here in Fairfield and beyond. God burned in my heart many, many years ago about the inner city Couldn't shake it. I couldn't get it off of me. I tried. My eyes were everywhere I see it. I said, "Why are there not churches in the inner city that would preach the word of God like we're being taught here now?" As you see, I didn't see it in Grand Rapids. I was burdened by it. I was consumed by it. And what you and I are experiencing started out as an I, but now it has become a we. And God is including you in that we. We all agree why we're here for the mission, the vision of leading people out of Egypt to the promised land of freedom. Both at miles, at the high school, and all in between. And we thank God for that. And these visions that God implants on our hearts, they don't come overnight. They come over time. And God processes you and I in this process. And right now, God is already, last Sunday, many of you were moved. God is planting seeds of dreams and visions in your heart. Not all of you, but some of you will be missionaries in the world. Not in first world situations. Third world, where you will work work, work among impoverished people who don't know the left hand from the right hand. And you will bring the gospel to them, hopefully with your husband and with your wife. And God is touching your heart; He's preparing you for it. I didn't say tomorrow, but He's He's dropping that into your heart, and not just old missionaries, but all kinds of things, education, etc. So, Father, we thank you so much here this morning um, for this word that you give to us here. How you shut doors for Paul only to open up one of the greatest missionary works in the history of mankind, the gospel to Europe. And Lord, you're shutting doors in this room today. But when you shut doors, that means you are opening doors. And so Lord, we pray that you would give us all eyes to see the doors that you're opening. Help us to begin to take off our will. Not our will be done, but your will be done. Break through in our hearts, Lord, help us to see the vast kingdom that you are calling your people to walk in and to do. Help us to get out of ourselves, our own theology of us, what we do, what our dreams are. But Help us to hear and see the brokenness around us that you're opening our eyes up to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast. For more information about Urban Hope Community Church, please visit our website www.urbanhopecc.com.